that occurs between the moment a hunter pulls the trigger and when he walks up to his fallen trophy. Oftentimes the buck's antlers are 6 inches narrower and score 20 inches less than what the hunter thought they would. This has happened to me on occasion too. Ground shrinkage occurs when we can't accurately judge the size of a buck and his antlers, and buck fever doesn't help. There are solutions to make sure you don't encounter ground shrinkage when you finally wrap your hands around those long sought after antlers. Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Stay tuned for a Rockcast promo code. Good morning, Rockcast people. Robbie Denning flying solo this morning. Let's see, it's early July, July 7th today, actually. Um, the hills are green, green, green. They're as green as I've ever seen them. Uh, it looks like mid-May out there. Uh, usually things are browning up by now. I'm not seeing any of that. Everything looks really good. Um, the parts of the west that I've been in, it's not that the, it's that they've received so much rain. It's just that we haven't had the hot temperatures. And a lot of times that's the problem with drought is you're just not getting any cooling effect at night. You know, thunderstorms come in, they can knock the temperatures down 20 degrees, and that cooling effect can last a day or two. And, and we've had a lot of that. A lot of the thunderstorms we've had in Idaho have been kind of dry. Um, but the, everything's just in really good shape. I'm, I'm excited for what the deer are experiencing right now. And to have this much green in early July is is good. Even if it comes off hot now, which looking at the forecast, I'd imagine by the time this podcast comes out in mid-July, we'll have hit 100 degree temperatures in much of the West, but that's pretty late. We're usually doing that in June. And so uh, one, one more good thing for the deer with all this water is are these cooler temperatures. Um, the bucks I've seen seem to be behind on antler growth. Now, I don't have a big sample size. Um, I've looked at a couple dozen bucks, um, but it just seems like they're behind. And a lot of times bucks by now, by late June, I've seen 30-inch bucks in late June before. You know, they're, 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 they've got all their width and they're turning up. Um, and I'm not seeing that, not so much the 30-inch bucks, but the bucks are just, they look like they do in kind of the early part of June when they're, antlers are just coming straight out of their head. They're kind of at the angle of their ears. Uh, they haven't really turned up yet. And at first I just thought, oh, that's just the few bucks that I've seen. But as I've seen more, it just seems that that they're behind, which would make sense. Uh, everything we know about what happened this year, extraordinary winter. Um, everything got started late. Um, so that that's what I'm seeing. Um, and on that note, today we're going to be talking about judging big mule deer. And that is as much of an art as it is a science. In fact, I think it's more of an art than it is a science. And uh, it's difficult uh, for many reasons. Um, sample size. Just the average DIY hunter, we don't get a look at a lot of bucks. Uh, we don't get to compare bucks. 
you know, looking at dozens and dozens of bucks and compare them to each other, you know, that can take a whole summer. And that that makes it tough. When, when bucks are alone, it's extra hard to judge them. But if there's two or three together, it just speeds things up. And so when, when you're a DIY hunter, you don't have a lot of bucks to look at on a lot of tags. Uh, you got to rely on, you know, video and pictures of bucks that have been taken. Uh, we'll talk about that more today. Uh, field conditions. Uh, field conditions, what I mean by that is bucks are out at the edges of light and they're hard to see and get a really good look at them. And even with great optics, I use all the high-end optics for my buck hunting. I, I've always bought the very best optics I could afford. I was buying Zeiss back in the mid-90s. My first set of Zeiss binoculars, I had to sell a horse to get them. Um, I've always used good optics. But even with good optics, it's just hard to see what you're looking for in the, in the, in the twilight. And expect that. I don't know how to explain it any more than that, but it's rare that you just get this straight on look with, you know, a skyline behind them, uh, good lighting. It, it just seems like that's the exception rather than the rule. There's been a lot of big bucks over the years I've seen, or a lot of bucks that I'm just not quite sure about. I just can't really get a good look at them. They're in and out of the cover. They're in and out of the shadows. You know, they're doing what big bucks do. And so keep that in mind that sometimes you're just going to be left with a little bit of, of a question mark. Like, man, was he, was he what I thought he was? Um, and that's just the game that we play. The, the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. But what, what I'm trying to say is I don't think you ever arrive at this game of judging mule deer. Um, I'm still not great at judging mule deer. And looking, looked at thousands of bucks over 30 years and still would not say I'm, a, I'm great at judging them, but I'm better than I used to be. And that's what I want to help you guys with today. Uh, another thing, too, for whatever reason, they don't give you a lot of time, it seems like, um, especially during hunting season, but even this time of year. You know, they're just out at the edges of light. You know, the sun comes up. They're 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 moving. They're headed to their to, to, to their bedding co uh, cover. And um, sometimes I just see them for a few seconds. I'm surprised how often, by the time I get the spotter on them, I just have a few seconds to look at them. And uh, and again, that just that's just kind of the game we play. It just seems to be how it is. Um, always keep a quick release plate on your optics. Um, keep everything handy. If you get to a glassing spot, and, and I'm talking to myself here because I make this mistake all the time, I'll get to a, gassing, a glassing spot and I don't take my pack off and I sit down and then I just use my handhelds and then I spot something. Well, my pack's on. I got to pull it off and dig everything out and, and, and seconds are crucial. And so the more access you have to that stuff, so ideally when you sit down, you know, you know if you Get everything out. Lay it out. It just takes a, a minute, and you'll be more prepared if you do see something. But sometimes I'm just so antsy when I sit down, and again, it's this it's this time thing that, you know, the bucks are moving. I'm not going to have a lot of time. You know, rarely are they out in the middle of some mowed field just eating, you know, giving you front shots, back shots, side shots. You know, th th they're moving through the shadows. And so a lot of times I'm, I just start glassing right away because it just seems like seconds count. Um, but it's always worth it to have your, your gear ready if you really want to take, take a good look at them.
Um, and as I said, you know, it's not it's not a perfect science. Um, I use the Boone and Crockett scale. Gross. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, it's not a perfect science, but um, it you can get better at it. And you you really do need to understand the the Boone and Crockett scale if you're going to be throwing out scores. And uh, we'll 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 talk about that. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to read the chapter from my first book, Hunting Big Mule Deer. How to take the best buck of your life, and, and the chapter is called "Judging Big Mule Deer," and it'll kind of put everything I just talked about in a, in a concise, tangible way to follow it through, and and why I lean on the Boone and Crockett gross system. Um, I'll say it in the book too when I start reading it, but this is so common. I've talked about it on other podcasts, hunters overjudge deer way more than we underjudge them i still overjudge deer i think we just get excited they're cool they're rare oh there's a buck he's bigger than anything i've seen he must be a giant and you got to temper that a little bit you gotta just know that unless you've i've shot a fair amount of big mule deer and i still caution myself that is he really what i think he is occasionally I do underjudge bucks. I, I have had that happen. You got to be careful with that. But that gets into the kind of the field conditions. How much time did I have to look at them? You know, if I usually get a really good look at them, I don't underjudge them. But just remember our human nature is we're, we're, we're going to make them bigger than we think. And I talked about that on, on a recent podcast about I can go to a, any given unit and run into enough guys I'm I, I'm going to talk be talking to multiple guys that are seeing 200 inch bucks, and I never see them. <laughs> never see them there. Um, I can count on one hand how many 200 inch bucks I've seen since 2016. Yeah, I was adding it up the other day. I think it was like five. You know, it's it's barely one a year. Um, you know, and I'm I'm DIY. I'm not hitting all the the great units. You know, I don't scout units that that um, I can't hunt. You know, a lot of guys will just for the joy of photography and things like that go to these draw units that, that's all fun but i just don't have enough time to do all that and get done what i need to do and so um 200 inch bucks are rare but i will i'll, I'll talk to guys i guarantee this summer i'll be talking to guys that are seeing 200s and i'll be lucky if i see a 200 and uh i chalk that up to that most of the guys are overjudging them they, they really are and i'm not picking on anybody it's just you know when i go to a place and I've looked at, you know, 20, 30 bucks in the unit. Maybe I've spent multiple days there, and the best buck I've seen is 170. And, you know, I run into a guy that's, oh, yeah, I saw a 200 over here, a 190 over there. I, I'd never call anybody a liar, but I, I, a lot of times I think guys are just overjudging them. So keep that in mind. That's kind of our tendency is, is to overjudge. So I'm going to jump into uh, judging big mule deer right out of my book. Hunting Big Mule Deer, How to Take the Best Buck of Your Life. In my definition of big mule deer, I mention age, body size, and antlers. It's mostly body size and antlers you'll be judging in the field. However, I can tell in the field whether a buck is older than four with good accuracy, and so could you with practice. For this section, I'm writing primarily about antler size, as that is how most of us will make the decision to pull the trigger. Ground shrinkage is a term widely used amongst hunters to describe the phenomenon that occurs between the moment a hunter pulls the trigger and when he walks up to his fallen trophy. 
Oftentimes, the buck's antlers are six inches narrower and score 20 inches less than what the hunter thought they would. This has happened to me on occasion, too. Ground shrinkage occurs when we can't accurately judge the size of a buck and his antlers, and buck fever doesn't help. There are solutions to make sure you don't encounter ground shrinkage when you finally wrap your hands around those long, sought-after antlers. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. Join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Some of the key features of Onyx are the ability to combine critical land data with on-the-ground exploration to build your perfect map and find success. All your save markups sync automatically to all devices for use in the field or from home. Onyx includes nationwide public and private land boundaries. Hunt with confidence and find new opportunities using color-coded public land maps, private parcel ownership information, and clearly marked boundaries. Mark locations crucial to your hunt with custom waypoints. Measure distances of your walk-in, shot across canyon, or distance to the nearest access point with lines. View maps in 3D and choose satellite, topo, or hybrid base maps to have the best, easy-to-read visual for your hunt. Go as far from the grid as you want. No cell service required. Save detailed maps, layers, and markups for offline use. With live tracking and current location features, you'll make it out and back just like you planned. Don't risk getting turned around or lost. So if you're ready to make the jump to Onyx, use the code ROCKCAST at checkout and save yourself 20%. Gross Boone and Crockett score, the preferred DIY system. If you want to shoot a truly big deer that scores well, you need to learn the Boone and Crockett system. While I might list score last in my definition of a big mule deer, it's still very important in how most of us judge a big deer. I recommend learning Boone and Crockett systems because it is the most widely known and accepted. Plus, Boone and Crockett is a great conservation organization. Some argue that others like Safari Club International or the Burkett system are better. While I can't argue which system is the best, I use Boone and Crockett's. It is so well known that most hunters talk about score without ever mentioning Boone and Crockett. They say something like, Fred killed a 180 buck up on Tater Hill last week. And most hunters automatically know they mean Boone and Crockett gross. If you don't understand how to score a mule deer, you can check out booneandcrockett.org and look for the link to Field Judging North American Big Game. There are some excellent tools there that will serve you much better than I could here. I've judged bucks in the field for nearly 30 years, and while I can get net score with a good look and a few minutes to run the math, I've learned that big bucks can be judged more simply by calculating gross. Once you've learned Boone and Crockett's system, to arrive at gross score, simply add up all the inches of points, beams, and mash measurements, throw in the inside spread, and any extra points, and you've got gross score. Most hunters think gross score most fairly awards a buck for the amount of antler he grew, while net penalizes most bucks. I think net is great for keeping record books, but gross is more practical to use a field. If I've got time to accurately judge a buck of field, the conversation in my head will go something like this. 18 inch backs, so 36 inches there. 11 inch and 10 inch G3s, so 21 plus 36 is 57. 10 inch G4s, so 20 plus 57 is 77. 
Add 5 inches for brow tines and 72 inches for main beam inside spread to get 154. Add 34 inches for mass and I'm at 188. Plus 10 inches of stickers puts that buck at 198 gross. Bang! Truth be told though, a buck with a 198 gross score looks big and I just get ready to kill him without worry of score. That is why score is listed last in my definition of big. I think we all overplay it, and only after hunting DIY a few decades do we realize that we don't need to rely on it so much. You will shoot a big buck most of the time you see one if you consider all the other factors. Antler diameter, spread, extra points, and body size. And you should, unless you have a very special tag or have scouted a larger buck. If I hear someone mention a 180 buck, I know that he means a 180 inch gross Boone and Crockett. It doesn't matter if it's a typical or a non-typical, all the inches are included in the score by most hunters. To me, this is the easiest and most practical way to judge a buck anyways. The purest balk at my method, but there are so few record book bucks killed each year, I think we're splitting hairs to worry about it. I'm a DIY hunter and this book is written with other DIY hunters in mind. I know that nearly 100% of us won't pass up a big buck just because he's a few inches short of a record book. Save maybe the once in five lifetimes draw tags where there is a legitimate chance of killing a book buck if you hold out for one. One Boone and Crockett official measure I know in southeast Idaho, some of the West's best book buck country, told me he measured lots of bucks that net in the 180s, but rarely one that exceeds 190 inches the net minimum for all-time book. That is why my definition of big mule deer only partially considers score. I leave out too many good bucks most hunters would be thrilled to have if I focus only on score. If you draw that great tag where a record book buck is a real possibility, you'll still need to understand gross score to arrive at the net score. If I'm judging a record book buck, I generally just double the measurements of all the shortest points, beams, and can get really close, especially with a typical buck. One trick I learned to speed up the judging process is to use the number 34 when calculating the inches of mass or H measurements. Most big bucks are going to be very close to that number unless they are noticeably light or heavy antlered. Mass makes up only 18% of the score, and it's even harder to judge than length, so using 34 gets me pretty close. A buck with 34 inches of mass will have about 5 inch H1 bases, 4.5 H2 between the brow tine and G2, 4 inch H3 between the beam and fork of G2, G3, and 3.5 H4 between G2 and G4. Again, that can be hard to judge, but look at a few bucks with 34 inches of mass and you'll start to get a feel for the minimum that our buck needs. One measurement, the inside spread, isn't really measuring actual inches of antler, but air between the main beams. That's fine with me, as a buck with a wide inside spread, lots of air, looks bigger than a buck with a narrower but symmetrical inside spread, which is rewarded in the net score. Because I don't rely heavily on record book score when deciding if a buck makes the grade, then what is my definition of a really big buck when considering score only? That's an easy one. After observing thousands of big bucks in my hunting career, I think 200 gross inches is a great benchmark for the DIY hunter to achieve. Any buck with 200 inch of bone protruding from his head is going to get your blood pressure way beyond what your doctor recommends. A DIY hunter should be satisfied with a buck of that caliber. 
unless he's drawn the top one or two units in the West or has scouted a 230-inch buck. As of press time, I've killed four over 200 inches. See my breaking 200-inch article on rockslide.com for all the stats on those bucks. Practice makes proficient. You don't have to become an expert at scoring bucks. You just have to become proficient. I'm certainly not great at it. To improve your judging skills, you should practice measuring bucks other hunters have taken. After I measured about five racks, I got a good feel for judging bucks on the hoof. If you know of a big buck that has been officially scored, ask the hunter if you can slap a tape on the antlers. I've done this many times, and it's really helped me learn to judge bucks more accurately in both gross and net score. Most hunters are thrilled to meet someone who's excited about their bucks. I've been invited into many a stranger's home simply because I expressed interest in his accomplishments. If you don't yet know the official score, ask the hunter not to tell you and see how close you can get your measurements to agree. This is great practice and will be well worth the effort when you're trying to decide on a buck in the field. You should also view as many bucks on the hoof as possible throughout the year. Also, keep in mind that more often than not, you'll overjudge a buck, so keep a little deduction factor in mind. I figure most bucks I judge are at least 5% smaller than I think, and I'm usually right if I actually get to put a tape on them. Thanks to many of the videographers whose work has brought some of the finest bucks on earth to our television screens, even unskilled hunters can get a good feel for what a big buck looked like. Videographers such as Steve Alderman of Idaho and Ryan Hatch of Utah have given us a mountain of video to enjoy and learn from. Learning to judge bucks from video rather than pictures is the best. Video gives you a 3D representation. You can see many angles of the buck's antlers and body compared with a photo, which is 2D, and usually makes bucks appear bigger than they are. I can't explain why, but it seems to be true. High-quality video of Big Bucks is a resource that wasn't available to the trophy hunters of yesteryear. They had to look at grainy pictures and make their mistakes in the field to improve their judging skills. We've got it easier and it's a good thing as we don't have the luxury of hunting prime areas year after year like hunters of the past. We often get only one shot at a really good tag and we'd be best prepared to accurately judge a buck's size. Whether you're watching videos or actual bucks, you must learn to accurately judge a buck's body size if you hope to nail down a close width or score on his antlers. Compare a buck's body to other deer he's with, or if he's alone with deer you've seen. A big buck will be about as twice as big as a mature doe. The best way to tell this is by his height, which will be about 20% taller at the shoulder. When compared with other bucks, a big deer will be heavier looking in the body with a noticeably broader chest. Although his head is bigger, his nose will appear shorter and his eyes smaller than those of his buddies. Most guys know that a buck's tip-to-tip -tip ear measurement is around 24 inches, but few realize that measurement can vary from 20 to even 27 inches. A buck with a 20-inch ear spread and 24-inch antlers will look like a 30-incher to you if you've guessed he had a 26-inch ear spread. All other measurements, such as tine length and rack height, will look proportionally different as well. You must look at enough deer so you know what a big buck's body looks like compared with other deer. Forsake this practice and you'll be grudgingly tying your tag on a lesser deer this fall. Know your area's potential. 
If you've drawn a good tag, the potential for a big deer should be better. But unless you know for sure the size of bucks in the area, you'll have a hard time passing up lesser deer. To best be able to pass up smaller bucks anywhere, you should scout to see firsthand the size of bucks in the unit. If I've seen a 190-inch buck in an area, it's easier to pass up a 170-incher that would be dwarfed by the larger deer. If I'm hunting an area for the first time, though, I'm hesitant to pass up nice bucks, even though there may be much better bucks available. Only by scouting can I be confident at passing up bucks. If you just can't scout, or you don't see any really good bucks, rely on your research and what other hunters have taken there recently. Your standards can only be as high as the area's potential where you're hunting. Lesser bucks in one unit can be great bucks in another.